Keith here. When I started making the first episode of, I had no experience doing podcast interviews, especially the technical side of things. It was a lot of confusing steps, setting up double enders or making do with low quality recordings on whatever app I could figure out. But it got a whole lot easier when I started using Zencaster. Made for podcasts with Zencaster, it's so easy to do everything. You and your guests log in with a browser and record studio quality sound and up to 4K video, even with an unstable connection. And it's an all-in-one deal. You don't need a lot of different tools or services. With Zencaster, you can create your podcast all in one place and distribute it to Spotify, Apple, and other major platforms. If you've ever thought about making your own podcast, go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code TFEO and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story on Zencaster. Hey, it's Keith. If you're a lover of audio drama like I am, you need to know about the Apollo app. Apollo is designed around audio drama, so finding your next story is easy. You can always listen through Apollo for free, but there's also the Apollo Plus subscription. With it, you get ad-free listening, exclusives, and other bonus content for over 40 shows. And 70% of the revenue on Apollo Plus goes to those creators. Join Apollo Plus through the Apollo Podcasts app or apollopods.com. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of a podcast about audio drama and the creative process. I'm W. Keith Timms, audio drama producer and podcaster. In this show, I listen to the first episode of an audio drama, then have a discussion with the creators about their show, their methods, struggles, and successes. Today, we're discussing the first episode of Rogue Life. Have you ever played one of those video games where every time you die, you start the game over with everything completely changed? Like the enemies, maps, weapons, abilities, everything is different. Well, that's my life. My name is Benjamin Bowers, but you can just call me Benny. I have now died 26 times. I've drowned, I've been strangled, I've eaten bad sushi, I've been crushed by a steamroller, I've been let out of an airlock on a space cruiser, and I have been shot like six times. You'd think that I'd get discouraged by all this, but nah, I'm just trying to live my best life. Created by Brady Flanagan, Rogue Life is a comedy sci-fi audio drama all about Benny Bowers a man who is stuck in a cycle of death and rebirth. Every time he starts a new loop, he is reborn into a completely new world and genre of entertainment. While every episode has its own challenges and jokes, the real mystery is why Benny is stuck and how he might get out. What's more, his ex-wife Lauren also appears to be stuck in these loops and turns up when he least expects. The first episode, The Dame and the Detective, is a parody of film noir, where Benny, as the detective in the story, is hired to find a missing woman. Flanagan writes, produces, composes, and stars as Benny in the show. Rogue Life has one completed season and a second in production. I spoke to Brady remotely from his home in Salt Lake City. 
tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your background as a creative type of person. So, you know, I am actually from Salt Lake City, Utah, and here we have a very, very robust local theater scene. Mm -hmm. And so I was raised completely in that atmosphere, just eating it all up. All throughout school, I would do every opportunity that there was to get on a stage and perform. I much prefer over having a one-on-one conversation with somebody because, hey, (laughs) I can be a character on stage. (laughs) And as I was doing a lot of this work, you know, I I remember, you know, it was sixth grade. We started getting these assignments where I had a a very progressive type of teacher who Mm -hmm. she wanted us to really be able to express our creativity. So there were quite a few projects where I decided to do them as a play that I would write and and perform with my classmates. I immediately fell in love with writing. So as time went on, you know, I graduated high school, you know, went to college, still was very much involved with everything theater. You know, my passion was there. I was regularly doing shows everywhere that I possibly could right up until about 12 years ago. When my oldest child, he actually got a diagnosis of autism. And we knew just based on his behaviors, because, you know, autism is a spectrum, but we knew that he was on the very far side of the spectrum. He would need a lot of help. Right. So my wife and I, we had actually met doing theater. We knew that as much as we love that life, we, we had to take a step back. Yeah. And we had to really focus just on our little family and on my son and on his needs. For about eight years, I didn't do anything really creative. And then some of the podcast boom started to happen. I got into a little bit of that. I had one podcast called Reviews Versus the World, where it was it was a pop culture podcast, which I don't know if you could tell from the first episode of Rogue Life, but I, I really like pop culture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lots of little jokes scattered through there. Oh, yeah. yeah. In fact, Benny is very much he he's pretty much me. You know, I, I do a little bit of that and I get a little just kind of nugget of that creative streak back. I started listening to some live play role playing game, you know, RPG sure, right. podcasts. Actual play type stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, growing up, I, I was never a D&D type guy. That was that was just one step further on the geek spectrum than <laughs> I thought I was willing to go ever. Not me. I'm, like, I'm an old school. I'm an old school gamer from way back. So that's all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, but then, you know, as I would listen to these podcasts, I, I came to the realization of this is really just long form improv. Mm hmm. Right. And then that, you know, really kind of sparked things for me. That's when I started an actual play podcast. It was called 1D10 The Show, which you shorten it to 1D10 TS. So it looks like idiots. It was great. (laughs) It was it was so much fun. We were telling some great stories. And then I started doing some little things here where I'm like, I wanted to get into a little bit more of my writing. Sometimes I would have between episodes fully scripted segments that just you know, build out the world a little bit more. And I really, really liked that. And then COVID hit. Right. We just had to kind of kibosh everything right there. I spent several months just being like, I had this creative outlet that is now gone. And I was really, really feeling that in my life. And then I started thinking about those little in-between side stories. I can still do something like that. And then that's when I created Rogue Life. You're like a writer, director, and composer for Rogue Life. Yes. Uh, wear many different hats. 
What is your musical background? How did you get into music? I've always played the piano. I have a very musical family. I have a sister who's a concert pianist and oh, nice. is just absolutely mind-blowingly amazing. My mom always played, and I would find little opportunities that I could to play the piano everywhere that I could. Of course, you know, I did a little bit of work in bands because, you know, when I was in high school, that was like the peak, everybody's going to start an acapella group sort of phase. <laughs> my first major was going to be music education. What actually happened with that, I was three years into my degree, you know, loving every bit of it. In an education degree, your senior year is your intern year. Right. Where you actually have to go and teach. At that time, I had just taken up a long term substitute position for a choir teacher for a local high school. And after two months, I just came to the realization that no, no, this is this is not for me. <laughs> and 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 so I, I completely just switched gears, realizing that teaching music and writing music and performing music is something that I can always do on the side without having it be a career. And and I do. I, I teach piano lessons. I teach voice lessons. And I compose every day. So you had this background in theater and podcasting and in music. So you've got these creative skills. Why Rogue Life as your project? So when I started writing it, it was about this time in 2021. And there were a few things happening at that time that I thought were really interesting. The first thing was a little video game called Hades. I love that game and I love the music in Haiti so much. Oh, it's it's glorious. Yeah. So I, I was I was obsessed with Hades and with, you know, roguelike video games are it's just a genre that I've always kind of felt a kinship towards. Just in case there are some listeners who don't know what a roguelike video game is, can you briefly tell us what that is? So a roguelike video game is basically a game where your progress constantly resets. So anytime that you die, instead of going back to a save point, you go back to the beginning and you start a new run. However, everything has changed within the world. Rooms will be in different places. You'll get different abilities, different power-ups. And so the game is completely new on each run while also seeming very familiar. And the progression, most of it comes from just getting better at the game itself. So I was playing Hades. I couldn't come up with a specific genre that I wanted to write in. Oh, I would love to do a detective noir. Oh, no. You know what? I would love to do something that is very cartoonish. That's that's almost like Hanna-Barbera, you know, Scooby-Doo. Oh, I would love to do something that mocks paranormal investigation TV shows. In, in playing Hades, that gave me the idea of, wait, I, I can do all of that. Because it can be like a roguelike. You have a character who goes through and he's living his life. He dies and he's reborn, except for every time that he's reborn, it is a new genre. It is a completely different world. And that way I can tackle all of these different things. The other big thing that was happening is this was right at the burgeoning of AI. Mm. What's so interesting to me about AI and what AI was doing at that time and what it continues to do now is that AI is not there to help with menial tasks. What we've continued to see is AI using art and being a creative source. And of course, you know, as a creative myself, that never really sat well with me because what right. AI was doing was it, it was taking all of these references, all of these just random little things that have been fed into it and spitting out something that is sort of similar, but just slightly different. Mm -hmm. That got me thinking, 
these stories where it's it's almost exactly like something, but it's just slightly different. It's slightly changed. And you, you'll find out later on in the season exactly why it is that it is so close to that AI sort of inspiration. As you find out the impetus of what exactly is happening to Benny, why is he there? Yeah, the first episode is a parody of film noir. And the second episode is a second and third are almost a, a game show barbarian fantasy competition kind of thing. Yeah, kind of like a death race. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I noticed about these is that it's and I don't mean this as an insult, it's badly written. In other words, it's deliberately badly written. Oh, yeah. The names are very kind of cliche. The characters are sometimes very stereotypical, you know. So it, it does kind of feel like it was someone's idea of what these genres should feel like, as opposed to being something authentically from those genres. Exactly. And that that is the exact feel that I was going for. Of course, you know, I, I find myself very clever and, and I like <laughs> little things and little jokes. I try to make it so that anything that you see come from Benny's mouth is usually more creative because he's that creative outlet where anything that is being told in the world through the overall story, it's off. That mm. it feels not quite natural. Something is trying to approximate what we think would fit, but it isn't there. It doesn't have that soul to it. What is your feeling about AI and its position in our society? So I, I think AI is something that it, it's not going away. The, the, the genie's out of the bottle. It's something that I think that we can treat antagonistically or we can learn to utilize it to better create as a creative, to maybe give us some jumping off points. As an example, let's say that you're just stuck on an idea. I can sit there and I can just try to think of things and try to think of things and try to think of things. Or I could use AI to sort of prompt my brain yeah. and give me some basic ideas, but not my entire idea. Using AI as a prompt, as a jumping off point, is something that can be a positive thing for the creative world. But using it as the end all be all of creativity is not where it's going to be at. And I fear for a future where the jobs and the work isn't in writing. It isn't in those creative pursuits, but it's in knowing what prompts to spit into an AI machine to get what you want out of it. Right now, if you look at the recent strikes, the, the Actors Guild and, and the right. Writing Guild, how a lot of their concerns were about AI and that these corporations are not understanding how it's going to go. It's been very interesting to me to see how all of that is working out. I think that there will be a way that we can move forward with AI to make it so that it can spur creativity rather than steal creativity. Yeah. Ah, another day dawns in the city. A city full of crime. I thought this was a noir detective story. Cool. All right. So let's see. Everything's black and white. Hat is on the stand by the door. Collar is undone. Awesome. Gun is... Ooh. <laughs> Gun is loaded. Yikes. Desk drawer is... Full of booze. Very nice. Now most people walk right by this dingy office, never noticing the name on the door. Here's where I get to find out my cliche detective name. Drake Clues, Private Eye. Called it! Ooh, 
And there's the name tag. C-L-E-W-E-S. Oh, clues. That's cute. I'm a gruff and grizzled guy who knows how to handle a six-shooter as well as a bourbon bottle. Today, I'd use both. Man, I gotta say that I really like my manly narrator voice. Let's talk a little bit about the show. Rogue Life's main protagonist is Benny, who is a video game company employee. He's in customer service. One of the things with Benny, um, a lot of Benny is based on me and how I am. Benny relates to the world using pop culture. But there are some very distinct ways in which Benny differs from me. Benny is someone who is okay with a status quo. He's okay just being a customer service guy. He's not trying to raise up the ranks. He's like, hey, I have enough money to do what I need. I'm good. Even though he has these ideas, he's done some programming. He's written code. He's gotten people in on these creative projects that he's put together, but he just doesn't follow through and he doesn't have that motivation. One of the things that I really like about this character is in how he differs from me, because that is very much not me. If that was me, then you would never have been able to hear Rogue Life because it it, it never would have happened. Right. Yeah. Benny is this starky, wisecracking, but he's also kind of resourceful, you know, and he also is mostly unfazed about his condition, trapped in this loop of, I assume he's going into video games, but he keeps on coming into these different scenarios from different genres of fiction. Whenever he dies, he wakes up again in a new place. There's a couple of recurring characters. There's Rick, who pops up every loop. And then he also, we only get a hint of this at the end of the first episode, uh, his ex-wife is appearing in these loops as well. You say that Benny is like you. Why him for the protagonist of your story? You don't really see a character quite like Benny, where he is just a geek. He is someone who just loves, he loves movies. He loves video games. He loves music. He And he relates to the world through these different pieces of pop culture. He will look at something. It's like, oh, yeah, well, that's like Assassin's Creed. Oh, yeah, that is totally, you know, John Carpenter, the thing. That's just how his brain works. A little bit of my inspiration for him is actually the TV show Chuck, where you, you have this guy who's he's very geeky. He's not exactly very motivated. He loves pop culture. And suddenly he's thrown into something where he has to be resourceful. And it turns out that through relating to pop culture, he's able to solve a lot of these things that maybe other people couldn't solve, especially when you're in something that does have this AI inspiration. If you can tell what it's referencing, then maybe you can tell the next step and maybe you can survive a little bit longer. So his ex-wife, his name's Lauren, keeps on popping up in these loops as well. She and Benny have a very sort of adversarial, but I wouldn't call it like mean, but they definitely do not get along. There is some bad blood between the two of them. Well, since you said this was kind of autobiographical, I guess I have to ask, do you have an ex-wife that you're uh, sparring with in real life there? Is that- oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, only married once and we get along fantastically. <laughs> very good. I'll make sure she hears that. <laughs> No, the the inspiration from Lauren, I wanted someone who was just so the opposite of Benny, where the things that make Benny strong are where Lauren is weak and Mm -hmm. where Lauren is strong. That's where that's where Benny fails. Lauren is very, very motivated. She's very much a go getter. She's 
I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it well. But she doesn't know pop culture. She doesn't care about pop culture. She thinks that all that sort of thing is frivolous. And obviously these differences are why things didn't work out. And it, it gets into it, of course, a lot more as the season goes on. But she feels very much like she is only progressing when she can force others to progress with her. That's really what I wanted to show with these characters. They don't really work well together, but they find a way to make things work. And I, I also wanted to play a little bit on with, with almost any story. In pop culture, you have a romantic interest where, you know, they hate each other and then they grow to love each other and they they work past their differences. And I wanted to buck that. <laughs> I wanted to make it so that it is very clear that Benny and Lauren are never going to get back together. And that is OK. Yeah, it is OK to move on. It is OK to realize that maybe somebody isn't right for you. The first episode is called The Dame and the Detective. Um, and it is a parody of film noir. Benny wakes up in the persona of Drake Clues, a detective, complete with a noir-style narration voiceover. In the first episode, he gets hired by Jim Fatale. There you go again with the uh, the bad puns. And she's hiring him to investigate her missing sister, Dolly. Why, hello, Mr. Clues. I have a problem, and I heard that you're the best detective in town. Is that right? You know, I thought I was just a customer service agent. Well, and a constant disappointment to my mother and my ex-wife, but whatever. Um, you are? I'm Miss Jem Fatale. Ooh, credits to the writing team on that one. And my sister has been missing for two days. And naturally, you came to me. Because the police couldn't help you. The police, they say they have no leads. They think she's just left town, but I know she was taken. There is no one else I can turn to. Well, let me just take a little gander to see what town we're working with here. Ah, the Golden Gate Bridge. Get to go local this time. Neat! Ah, <clears throat> you have come to the right place, miss. I am the best dang private eye in town, and I am gonna find your lost kitten. Sister. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, that, that, that's what I meant. Sister. Turns out Dolly's gotten wrapped up in a gangster's plot. Through a series of misadventures, Benny ends up going to a uh, speakeasy where he discovers the crime boss. And also, we get the first glimpse of his ex-wife, Lauren, who turns out to be Dolly, uh, the missing yes. woman. But then Benny is summarily shot and killed right there at the end of the episode. I have a couple of questions about this. My first one is, why did you want to start with film noir as your first genre when you could have picked almost anything? I wanted to go about audio drama in a little bit different way. And I knew that a lot of the people that I would have listening to the show wouldn't be used to the format of an audio drama, where typically an audio drama, you don't have an omniscient narrator. Usually the story is told strictly through dialogue, sound effects, and you get your entire story there. And while I do move to that in future episodes, I wanted that first episode to have the narrator feel so that mm. those who are not familiar could get used to it. You'll, you'll see that as the episode progresses, 
that narrator fades out almost completely. So, which I did very much on purpose to prepare yeah. them for the rest of the show that would not have a narrator. You know, this reminded me a lot of the show Quantum Leap, right? Mm -hmm. Which, you know, which for those that don't know, although I think there's a new one out, which I haven't seen uh, a new version of the Quantum Leap, but I'm thinking of the old one with Scott Bakula because I'm an old man. But Quantum Leap, Scott Bakula travels through time and space and inhabits bodies to solve problems in these people's lives. And when he does, he leaps into another body and so forth. But I guess with Road Life, if you die at the end, you don't really get a resolution to the story that Benny jumps into. That seems like it might be a little difficult to tell a complete story that way. What are your thoughts about that? That is actually a great question. And that is very much on purpose because a lot of this depends on what is really going on. It's not mm -hmm. about the individual episodes. I didn't want each episode arc to be about the story. I wanted it to be about Benny figuring out more about himself. I wanted it to be about Lauren figuring out more about their relationship, but also more about the overall mystery of where things are. I wanted that to be the big point for all of this, because once again, the individual storylines for each of these for each of these loops, they're being written by AI. They are not going to have that satisfaction of something that is created by a person. You know, you're not going to find out exactly what was going on with that speakeasy. You're not going to find out what it was that those gangsters were going for. You're not going to get an emotional resolution there. What you're going to get the emotional resolution for is Benny and why he is the way that he is and what is going on with him and where is he and how does he get out? So I'm sure that a smart, strong man like you is at the top of the company, right? <laughs> well... Not exactly. I'm in customer service. But you are better than that, I'm sure. Meh. Anywho, that was my old life. I've been stuck here for what feels like months, going through different loops and cycles, dying over and over and over. And at first, you know, it, it was fun. It was fun. And some loops have genuinely been exciting, but I've just never liked film noir. I mean, no offense. I sincerely don't understand anything you're saying, Benny. Uh, you know, I just thought that I would have figured something out by now. Like, <sighs> You've got one complete season, is that correct? Yes. Okay, and are there plans for more? Oh yes, there are. That is in the middle of being written. It should be here in the next few months. Right, so this was your first audio drama, although you did have experience in podcasting before then. As you look back on your first season, how do you feel about how it went and maybe how it changed or how you grew through this process? Writing a season is a lot more complicated than I expected it to be. As I finished and started seeing the reactions from people and, you know, we have a very dedicated fan base who just absolutely adores it and ate it up every week. It felt great. But I, I think that one of the struggles that I have had is while I'm creating the episodes, I listen and 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 listen. And listen. Um, <laughs> once an episode is completed and out there, I listen and listen and listen and listen and listen yeah. and listen and listen. <laughs> and of course, I, I find a lot of little nitpicks 
And then I eventually said, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to listen to the episodes for a few months. And I went about six months without listening to the episodes at all. And then when I went back and listened, I, I had an experience that I didn't expect where I wasn't doing the nitpicks at mm. that point. And I was enjoying myself. I was loving it and, and eating it up. And then as I got further in the season, I, I had this little bit of an existential crisis of how am I going to top this? It is the oddest sensation to have imposter syndrome comparing yourself to yourself. <laughs> I think that's second level of imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty much. And, and so I, I think that's one of the reasons why it's taken me so long to get season two out. How do you measure success in your work? I think for me, success is putting something out there. I could have just my wife and myself listen to the podcast and I would be perfectly happy. You know, I'm not chasing those listener numbers. I know that I put out something and it's something that I am proud of and that I can say, hey, I did that. You see, the way that my brain works, and I'm going to pull a little bit of a Benny here and throw in some pop culture at you. Go um, for it. It, it. It's like there is an episode in The Simpsons, I think around season seven, where Homer is on the outs with Marge. He's done some very dumb things. He's lost her. He's living up in the treehouse. One of the kids brings him up some pudding, you know, says, hey, you need to figure things out. And then Homer goes, OK, I need to do this. I need to win Marge back. I have to do this. And then it goes up to his brain and his brain just goes, eat the pudding, 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 eat the pudding. So he has to eat the pudding because his his brain won't shut up about the pudding. And I think that with a lot of me and how my anxieties work, how my OCD works is it pushes me to get these projects out there, to get these ideas done. I can't tell you how many times I've woken up at two in the morning just with a creative idea. And my brain just goes, eat the pudding, 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 eat the pudding. And I have to get up and go and type it out. I have to go and create right there. Where I find success is I've eaten the pudding. I've done the thing. I haven't put it off. I got something out there, something that I can be proud of, that I can look at and say, hey, I did that. What are some lessons that you have learned about creating audio drama that you can share with us, especially for people who might want to be working on their own? Find other passionate people. One of my best friends, John Crowder, who he actually plays Rick on the show, he helped me to brainstorm a lot of my ideas and he supported me and he helped actually write a little bit of that first episode. Just finding people who can get as excited as you are, maybe not to the level of yourself. They're they're not they're not eating the pudding, but <laughs> they're pudding they, adjacent. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They're 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 sipping on their yogurt instead. <laughs> um, but find yourself good people who will support you. Once again, my wife is the most amazing person. Without her support, that this would have never happened. As much as it may be tempting to go and just do this yourself. You know, go and eat that pudding. Try finding some other people to be there with you for the journey. You'll find that things are just in such a better place. Look, j just give me Dolly and I'll get out of your hair. Don't worry, Mr. Clues. She's right over there, out drinking my lieutenants and having the time of her life. Her life? 
That will be much longer than yours, I'm afraid. The dame, this dolly, looked awfully familiar. Wait. What's what's going on here? Is, L- Lauren? Lauren, what are you... What is... As he hops from genre to genre, the story of Benny is less about his individual adventures and more about himself. This focus also allows Flanagan to pack the episodes with jokes and make fun of the genres he's spoofing. It also means there's a wide range of material ripe for parody. You can listen to Rogue Life on most major podcast platforms or see our show notes for more information. The first episode of is written and produced by W. Keith Timms. All the opinions expressed in this show belong to the people who expressed them and not necessarily to anyone else. The theme song is Mockingbird by David Mumford. This show is a production of Alien Ghost Robot Creative Media. If you want more information, want to sign up for our newsletter, or are an audio drama creator and would like to be on the show, visit our website at thefirstepisodeof.com. We're happy to be a part of the Audio Drama Lab, a Discord-based resource for audio drama development and networking. Check it out at audiodramalab.com. Keep telling stories. It's the only way we're going to get out of this mess. Until next time. I think being out here in the wilderness changes you. God, I hope so. There is evil in the world. I know that very well, but do you think it must be everywhere? Hello? I'm looking for the hostel. You should not be here. Hair of bread, mark of blood, child until you get you gone. I met someone, little bird. Strong arms, full lips, a voice so soothing and sweet. What happens to them, to the women? I love the way he talks to me. Most go missing. Some go mad, but, you know, by the time he's finished talking to them, they want to go with him. You mean like a serial killer? You are cursed more than you know. Tear you up, feed you back to the mountain. No one stops the murders from happening, and they they want to kill me because I know. I will not let anything hurt you. And so you die upon this mountain tonight. Mothers keep us with a bell cup. We don't say his name. Mother Mary O'Lettison. They call him the gentleman. Mother Bridget bring fire to our skin. Jarfly men began cannon. Mother Easter raised us from the soil again. The love talker. Mothers keep us where the devil come. Maybe coming out here will show me who I really am. The Love Talker is a folk horror fiction podcast launching October 25th. For more information, visit thelovetalker.com.